Crossroad Podcast. We're thrilled to share with you an exciting message from our weekend service. If you would like more information about who we are as a church and how to get involved, feel free to visit florencecrossroadag.org. We hope you have an amazing experience and a great week. Some of you probably know that I had cataract surgery recently, and I can't see a thing to read without these specs. My wife said you could wear them like this, but that makes me feel really old. <laughs> or you can wear them like this if you want. That makes me feel really dumb. So here we go. I'll probably be picking them up and laying them down several times. So God bless you. Thanks for being here today. As you know, Pastor Dale and Sherry are in Orlando, Florida. I don't envy them being in Orlando this time of year, but that's where they are at our general council. So if you think about it, say a prayer for them. This morning, uh, I feel like that the, 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 the worship has, has gone right along with what I believe God wants me to say to you today. So I really appreciate that when that happens. That's the Holy Spirit working. So we're thankful for that this morning. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a rather lengthy passage of Scripture today from 2 Kings chapter 7, uh, verse 3 through 7. Listen to the word of the Lord. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, Why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. If we sit here, we die also. Now therefore, come, let us surrender to the enemy of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. If they kill us, we shall only die. And they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact, their tents, their horses, and their donkeys. And they fled for their lives. That was a miracle, you know. Four guys sounding like an army. I mean, only God can do stuff like that. We've been talking about tipping points recently. And Pastor has done a great job preaching on those thoughts that he brought to us. And I want to continue that theme this morning, and I want to call this message personal tipping point. I don't know if you've reached a tipping point or not, but I think a lot of us may have. And it's important that we recognize that. What do we do when we reach the tipping point is significant. It will change our destiny. It will change our future. These four men in our text have come to their tipping point. (laughs) The outcome is not one to look forward to. Death. Everybody say that. Death. Not one to look forward to. My granddaughter was talking about something yesterday about this secret weapon that she has. She found it on the beach, I think. It's a secret weapon that destroys the enemies. And she said, you know, when you use this weapon, what happens is, yuck, death. She knows what death means, I guess. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm not satisfied sitting where I am. 
Anybody else feel that way? The fact is, small actions at the right time by the right people in the right place can change everything. Just the smallest decision can change our future. The question here is, why are we sitting here until we die? Why are we sitting here until we die? It's time to do something. Would you say amen? Amen. Regardless of the tipping point, whether it's a tipping point of society, the tipping point of a nation, the tipping point of Israel, it doesn't matter. All of those things are real, but we also have sometimes have to realize that we may be at a tipping point in our spiritual journey. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I'm a child of God and I'm on my way. There are better things ahead. The right decision that I make right now will tell what my destiny is going to be like. Regardless of what your tipping point may be, I think we have to look to the word. In the scripture that I read, I didn't read verse 1 and 2 of 2 Kings 7, but listen to this. Then Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time, a seah of fine flour will be sold for a shekel and two seahs of barley for a shekel. What he's talking about is provision is coming. God's provision is coming. But they were in the midst of the worst famine that you can imagine. I mean, the famine was so bad in the city. They were besieged by the Syrian army. And the famine was so bad, they were eating dove droppings. And you could buy a donkey's head. Anybody up for donkey's head for dinner today? A bucket of dove droppings? They were, that's what the people were living. And it was so bad, as a matter of fact that some of them were boiling their children and eating their children. I mean, this was a serious situation. This was the kind of situation that you can't even hardly imagine how difficult it would be. So the prophet of God says, hear the word of the Lord. Let me ask you a question. Do you still believe the word of the Lord? Is this the truth? Can you depend on what it says in his word? Can you depend on God when he speaks truth to us? He says, this is it. Hear the word of the Lord. Tomorrow, there's going to be plenty in this city. I mean, just imagine this officer standing in the gate listening to these words. saying, I can't believe this. It's it's impossible for us to have this. He said, even if God opens the windows of heaven, how could this thing be? Not only was he full of doubt, he was also pretty sarcastic. He just didn't believe the word of the Lord. He just couldn't accept the fact that tomorrow there's going to be plenty. The famine was severe, and he had a hard time accepting the word. I've already asked you, do you believe the word? You said, yes, we do. I believe the word of the Lord is true. Better to believe the word than to be filled with doubt. Do you think unbelief is serious? Anybody think unbelief is serious? I mean, it's really serious. The prophet tells this man, that you will see this tomorrow, but you won't be able to partake of it. He's predicting the man's death. He's predicting his loss. When we pray with full of doubt, we don't really need to expect anything because we don't really believe we're going to have anything. Listen to these words from the book of James. Here it says in James chapter 1, verse 6 through 8, But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like the wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. 
For let not that man suppose that he'll receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. The context of that verse is, if you lack wisdom, ask and don't doubt. How many of you feel like you don't know how to handle what's going on in the world today? I mean, you look around you and all the stuff that's happening, I need wisdom. How do I deal with this? What do I do about this? Do I do anything about this? Do I trust in the Lord or do I trust in the flesh? Do I trust in my ability or do I trust in God's ability? We have come to a place in our lives where we must make a decision to believe God's word and pray in faith. The sad thing about praying with doubt and unbelief is that we never really get anything. We never really get anything. Don't let that man suppose. You know what supposition is? Maybe will, maybe he won't. Maybe I'll get this, maybe I won't. Don't let that man suppose he's going to get anything from the Lord because he's like a wave tossed by the wind, tossed to and fro by the wind on the sea. He is unstable. He is undependable. He has divided loyalties. I wonder how many of us have divided loyalties today. I know this is kind of quiet and serious this morning, but sometimes life's that way. The problem with praying and not believing is we have no confidence in God. This man who stood at the gate, he did not believe the word of the Lord. He doubted the word of the Lord. He had unbelief in the word of the Lord. And these four lepers are sitting outside the gate. They couldn't go in the, in, in the, in the, they couldn't go in the city. They weren't allowed to go in the city. They just sat around unclean, unclean. So what can four unclean, marginalized individuals do to change their circumstances? What can they do? What can they say? They're sitting at the gate. Everything is in a desperate situation. There has been no food in the camp. I think they had four horses left in the camp. They're probably going to eat them pretty soon. There's nothing there. Everything is hopeless inside the city. And it's hopeless sitting here in this gate because we're going to die if we sit here. Why do we sit here till we die? I want you to ask yourself that question. Why do we sit here till we die? We can have anything we want if we have faith in God. The decision must be made. That's the issue. That's the issue that I see here. A decision must be made. I've got to make my decision. What am I going to do? So they arose at twilight. And they said, let's go to the Syrian camp. If we sit here, we're going to die. If we go in the city, we're going to die. If we go to the camp, they might kill us and they might not. We might, they might have mercy on us. So let's get up out of this state, out of this sleepy, dewless state. Dewless, that's a funny word, isn't it? I'm not sure it is a word. But my mother said it was. And my mother was a Hoosier. She was a really smart lady. And she said dewless was a word. She used to talk about some of our relatives. She said, they're dewless. I think it was negative. <laughs> they don't do anything. They do less. And so these people are just sitting here in this situation. They really don't know exactly what to do, but they're not going to sit there and die. I may not know what to do, but I know if I take a step in the right direction, God will help me get through it. Amen? Amen? I'm not sure exactly what's, what's there, 
Martin Luther King once says, you don't have to see the whole staircase. Just take the first step. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Just take the first step. That's our problem. We don't want to take the first step. Anybody ever remember the movie, What About Bob? Anybody ever see that movie? Raise your hand if you saw that movie. What About Bob is a hilarious movie. It's one of the funniest movies ever. Bob is a, a person who needs psychological treatment. He is a person who is afraid of everything. He has so many phobias that you can't even pronounce all of them. And uh, Bill Murray played Bob Wiley in that movie. Bill Murray is funny. Just look at him. It makes you laugh. You know what I'm saying? So Bill Mur Murray, ha the movie is about this guy that goes to this psychiatrist for help. And he has read the man's book, which was called Baby Steps. One of the scenes in the movie, Bill Murray walks in the office and talks to the man. The guy is just about to go crazy because he doesn't really think he can help this guy. And so he says, baby steps. That's the key. So Bill Murray says, baby step, baby step, baby step to the door, baby step, open the door, baby step, shut the door, baby steps, go out the door, baby steps, go away, baby step, don't come back. <laughs> baby steps. One of the funniest things about that movie is he, he had a necklace around his neck with a fish jar in it, and he had a goldfish in the jar. And he never went anywhere without the goldfish. He was fearful that something would happen to his goldfish. And so he took the goldfish everywhere he went. That movie was so funny. My daughter was a freshman in college, and we went to pick her up at the airport, and we had just watched What About Bob? And she comes off the airplane, and I'm standing there with a necklace around my neck and a, a goldfish that I bought at the dime store. <laughs> She was quite embarrassed. <laughs> Dad, what did you do that for? I said, well, we just watched the movie. It was so funny. I couldn't resist. You know, it was hilarious, right? So isn't that the key? Baby steps, right? When you can't run, take a step. Take the first step. You don't have to see the whole staircase. Just take the first step. That's what these four lepers did. They decided to take a step. It was a step of faith. It was a step of courage. It was a step that said, we're going to do this and we're going to trust God for the outcome. You know, just think about these guys. Four leprous men. Unclean, marginalized people that nobody wanted to talk to. People that had no authority. They had no power. They had nothing except why sit we here till we die? Let's get up and let's take a step. And they did. And guess what the Syrian army heard? Four marginalized people? No, what did they hear? An army. Horses and chariots. An army is coming against us. And it's just four guys trudging along in the dust, doing the thing that the only thing they could do was just get up and take a step. And they kept marching, and the Syrians kept running. They marched, and they got to the camp, and there was no one there. The camp was empty. The horses were there. Their tents were there. All their belongings were there. The food was there. Even the donkeys were there. Everything was there. And these four men ran into the tents and began to consume the goods. They began to take everything they could get their hands on. There was money, there were clothes, there was lots of food. And then all of a sudden it dawned on one of them, this isn't right. 
Something's wrong with this. This is a day of good news. We cannot just sit here and take this blessing on ourselves. We need to share it with the king's family. Does this make any sense to you? Is this a day of good news? You think we might be in the twilight zone? If you watch TV, you probably are. Twilight, that's the end of the day, right? That is the time when it's hard to see. That's the time when things don't appear exactly the way they should. So at twilight, I think we're at our twilight in America. I think we're at our twilight in our personal spiritual lives right now. And I think that we need to take a step in the twilight and believe that God is going to make the thing that is best for us happen. Can change everything. Can change everything. When God begins to move, it can change everything. Amen? Amen. So are you tired of being a spectator? Anybody want to be a participator? How many participators in here? You can't just sit back and watch, watch it happen. Because we're part of it. It's going to happen because we're going to see to it that it happens. Ephesians 3.14 says, Awake, you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Just previous to that verse, it says, You are light. You were once darkness. Not that you were in darkness, but you were darkness. But now you are light. So it's time to wake up, to rise up, and walk as children of light. Christ will give you light. It may seem dark to you, but if you trust Jesus, take a step and the brightness will shine. Take a step and things will change. I really believe that's possible. The day is at hand. This is the time. This is the hour when we need to respond to God in a faithful way. In Romans chapter 13, verse 11, it says, do this. What does he mean, do this? He says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And then he says, do this. Love your neighbor because it is time. Now is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for your flesh. We've got to come to the place in our lives when we realize that we're in a warfare. We're in a battle. It's not a battle against you and me. It's a battle against ourselves. We're fighting a battle against our flesh because the flesh does not want what the Spirit wants. The flesh is contrary to the Spirit. The flesh is against the Spirit. There's nothing in your flesh that really wants to do right. It's the Holy Spirit that causes us to want to do what's right. It's the Holy Spirit that enables us to love, even in the midst of difficulties. I think that we've come to a place where we must begin walking in the Spirit. 
To walk in the Spirit means to conduct yourself in such a way that you represent the graciousness of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the compassion of Jesus, the power of Jesus. That you represent Jesus Christ in your walk. That you walk circumspectly. That you walk carefully. That you be careful where you go and what you do. Can I get a weak amen? Amen. If you put on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will not be making provisions for your flesh. Put on Jesus like a garment. Put him on. It doesn't mean fake it. A lot of Christians fake it. Yeah? I know I'm right. (laughs) There's a lot of faking going on. And not much shaking going on. But listen, we need to come to the place where we mean business about this. You know, believing in Jesus and walking in faith and walking according to the Holy Spirit means that I am committed to this. I am committed to this. I'm doing what I know to do. I don't know everything, but I know if I take one step at a time, eventually I'll reach the destination. God has good things for his people. God hasn't given up on us. I wonder why we've given up on ourselves. God hasn't given up on our world. Why have we given up on our world? We're listening to the wrong things, listening to the wrong messages. We need to listen to, thus saith the Lord, not what the news media says, not what Twitter says, not what all this confusion around our world is saying to us. Let's hear what God is saying to us. Let's bank on what God is saying. Let's trust in what God is saying. If we don't, we're going to end up like the man at the gate. When everybody else is blessed, we're going to be dead. Not a very pleasant prospect, is it? It's not going to happen to us. You know why? Because we are not in the darkness. We are not living in darkness. We are living in the day. Cast off the works of darkness. Put on the armor of light. Put on the whole armor of God. So that you can take your stand against the enemy. We're not going to run the enemy off. But we're going to take our stand against him. And he'll leave on his own. You don't have to run him off. You don't have to give the devil a black eye. You don't have to do any of that. You just need to take your stand in faith. Put on the armor. Put on the garments of righteousness. Put on the light that you are in God. And begin to move forward by his power and by his authority. Amen. Say amen all by myself. First Thessalonians chapter 5. And I'm going to close with this this morning. This comes from the Message Bible. And you may have opinions about the Message Bible. It doesn't really matter. It's kind of an interesting read. And it's, it's not off base. It's based on the Word of God. Listen to these words. This is great. First Thessalonians chapter 6. I don't think, friends, that I need to deal with the question of when all this is going to happen. You know as well as I that the day of the Master's coming cannot be posted on our calendars. We won't call, he won't call ahead and make an appointment any more than a burglar would. About the time everybody's walking around complacently congratulating each other, we've sure got it made. Now we can take it easy. Suddenly, everything will fall apart. It's going to come as suddenly 
and as inescapably as birth pangs to a pregnant woman. But friends, you're not in the dark so that, so that how could you be taken off guard by any of this? You're sons of light, daughters of the day. You're sons of light, daughters of the day. Look at your neighbor, son of light, daughter of the day. You are not like them. You're sons of light, daughters of the day. We live under wide open skies and know where we stand. Now listen to these words. So let us not sleepwalk through life like those others. Let's keep our eyes open and be smart. People sleep at night and get drunk at night, but not us. Since we're creatures of the day, let's act like it. Walk out into the daylight sober, dressed up in faith, love, and the hope of salvation. I don't know whether you realize this or not, but we are living in the last of the last days. Our salvation is much closer than when we believed. I got saved when I was eight years old. I got saved way back there. I was just a kid, but I knew that I needed to trust Jesus for my salvation. And my salvation is an ongoing process. It's not finished yet. I'm saved, but I'm being saved. And I also know that I will be saved. I am saved, being saved, and we have hope this morning. We have hope this morning. If we look to God, we have hope this morning. If we take that first step, the staircase will open up. We just have to move. Get up out of our seat and move. That's all I'm asking you to do. I know you're a bunch of old folks in here. <laughs> so am I. So am I. And there's a sweet little lady laying in a hospital here this morning by the name of Phyllis. And she is tough as nails, that woman. Amen. And she has a smile on her face. She suffered two more strokes, but she's standing tall in Jesus. And she's not complaining or moaning. Bud may be, but she's not. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying is, it doesn't matter. I don't know how old Phyllis is. What is she, 87? 89 years old, still going strong for Jesus. I still got a ways to go, but some of us are sitting on our laurels and we're not even close to that age. Let's get up and move. Amen? Amen. Are you with me? Yeah. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, Jesus, that, that you don't just let us walk through life in a sleep mode. Thank you, Jesus, that you spur us and stir us. And I ask that you would do that this morning through this message, that you will cause us to rise up, take that first step, Lord, and know that you are our God and we are more than conquerors through you because you love us. Bless your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me, please? I don't know if this message has touched your heart or not, but if it has and you feel like you need to wake up, let me encourage you. Wake up. Turn your eyes on Jesus and trust him. Take that first step. There may be someone in here who's never taken that first step toward Jesus, but the Holy Spirit draws us, calls us, and if you feel that way this morning, 
Would you raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. I really feel like that I need to make a decision today in my life. Whether I'm a Christian or not, it doesn't matter. All of us probably could raise our hands this morning. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you've called us out of darkness. That we are children of light. That we are the children of the day. We are not like those who live in darkness, but we live in the light. We ask you to just pour out your grace upon us this morning. You saw the hands that were raised, Lord, and we put them in your hands. And we ask you to minister life to them in the precious name of Jesus. So if we have some prayers this morning, come up. If you need prayer for any reason, it doesn't make any difference what it is. If you want prayer, there'll be somebody here to pray with you this morning. So may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. And may he give you peace. Amen. Please come for prayer if you need prayer this morning.